0: We're turning your mind was to Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. Amen. We know as a precursor to the book of Revelation, we're talking about understanding the end times. I hope you're getting something out of this. Amen. Because when we study the book of Revelations, it'll give you a better understanding of where we're at. Come on. Are you with me out there? So we talked about the rapture of the church. Amen. We talked about the judgment seat of Christ. We talked about Daniel 70 weeks. Some of you need to go back over some of that stuff. We talked about the temple course in Matthew chapters 21 to 23 last week. And we found out the book of Matthew contains more from the teaching of Jesus than any other, in any of the four gospels. Amen. Amen. Matter of fact, it contains the Sermon of the Mount in chapters 5 through 7. The kingdom parables in chapters 13. It contains the temple discourse in chapters 21 to 23. The Olivet Discourse in chapters 24 and 25, which we're going to start today. Are the, these are the events that lead up to the second coming of Jesus. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. So the Olivet Discourses take place on the Mount of Olives. The three other Gospels record segments of this sermon, but Matthew records the sermon almost in its entirety. Somebody say in its entirety. Now, to understand this passage, it's important to understand that Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 are presented in chronological order. Amen? That a chapter separation was not necessary between the chapters 25 and 24. Because 25 is nothing but a, simply a continuation of the very same sermon. Yes, amen. amen? So let's look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. Amen. You got your, got your ears on? Yeah. I'm talking about your spiritual ears, too, you yeah. know. Amen. Matthew 24, verse 1, it says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to what? Show him the buildings of the temple. Let's give a little background here. Now, we stated last Sunday that the disciples, they were greatly impressed with the beauty of this temple. Amen. Why? Because it was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world at that time. See, the temple of Solomon had been destroyed, and when the children of Israel returned from captivity, they rebuilt the temple. Now, Zechariah, Nahum, and other Old Testament prophets gave an account of this in their writings. And when the temple was built, it was smaller than Solomon's temple. Because why? Because of the younger people. See, the younger people hadn't seen the old temple. The size was what? Insignificant to them because why? They weren't there. But the older people were very upset about the size. Are right, you following me? You know how older people get. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, some of the older people say amen. Because we get set in our ways. Come on, say amen. We don't like things to change. Come <laughs> Amen. Just amen. So they remembered the size of Solomon's temple and were discouraged because the rebuilt temple was not as large. And see, from the time the temple was rebuilt, it had been improved and expanded over the years. Matter of fact, King Herod, amen, he invested vast sums of money into the temple trying to persuade the Jews to follow him or support him. You know, it was a political move. Like we have today, political moves. Come on, say amen, somebody. But because Herod was not a Jew and was hired by the Romans to sit on the throne, the Jews hated him. Now, though the Jews hated Herod... They loved the beauty of the temple. And as the disciples were gazing upon the buildings of this temple, they pointed out the beauty of them to Jesus, saying, Jesus, have you ever really looked at this temple? And as Jesus looked, he responded, go ahead. Take one last look. Because it won't be long before, before there will not be not one stone that remain upon another. So in verse verse 2 of chapter 24, it says, And Jesus said unto them, See you not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be what? Left here what? One stone upon another that shall not be what? Thrown down. And the moment Jesus finished speaking, the disciples were filled with fear immediately, followed by excitement amen see they became fearful because why Jesus spoke openly in the streets about the destruction of this beautiful temple while he was while he's being surrounded by Romans and Jews who believed that he was a rebel so that was a bold move on, their, on his part come on say amen somebody but their excitement came because why The disciples understood Old Testament prophecies concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ. Saying anybody understood it. And they realized they were coming to the end. They realized, remember, they realized. They were coming to the end of the 483 years and were close to the completion of Daniel's 70 weeks. Are you listening to me out here? And because of their excitement, the disciples led Jesus away from, you know, they said, come on, Jesus, come on to the crowd. We got some questions for you. So they led him to the Mount of Olives, and and they bombarded him with questions. Look at verse 3. Let's look at the questions. Matthew 24, 3 says, and he sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming.'" And at the end of the world. Now, the word world here is the Greek word aeon. Somebody say aeon. And it means age. Some translations render this phrase, what is the sign of the end of the age? Somebody say end of the age. But notice, the disciples did not ask Jesus one question at a time. They asked him all three questions what? In a row. Amen. They bombarded him with questions. So question number one was, when shall these things be? Question number two is, what will be the sign of thy coming? And question number three is, what will be the sign of the end of the age? They didn't give Jesus time to answer the first one. Come on. Come on. They they, they exploded him with what? One question after another. You know how you do sometimes. Amen, you bombard God with questions. God said, can I answer the first one first? (laughs) Come on, say amen, somebody. But Jesus answered all three questions. However, the answer to question number one is not found in the book of Matthew. Matter of fact, it's found in the gospel of Luke. Let's turn there. Luke chapter 21, verse 20. The answer to question number one is found in Luke chapter 21, verse 20. I tell you, neighbor, you need to stay with him today. And don't be snoozing. And don't be what? Snoozing. Snoozing. Okay, great. Hey, Amen. We're speaking by faith, hallelujah. <laughs> Luke chapter 21, verse 28. It says, And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with what? Armies. Then know that what? The desolation thereof is what? Nine. When Jesus said you, he was addressing the disciples, folks. He was telling them, this will happen in your lifetime. He said, look for Jerusalem to be surrounded by armies. And Daniel described those armies, amen, and who who these armies will be in Daniel 9, 26. Let's go back there. Daniel described these armies and who they will be in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. Daniel 9, verse 26. Keep a marker there. And Luke, could we coming back? Daniel nine twenty six says after what three score and two weeks showed Messiah be what cut off. That's when he was what crucified, right? But not for himself. And the people of the what prince shall what that shall come shall what destroy the what city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are what determined. See, they are described as what? The people or the prince that is yet to come. And he is referring to the Romans. He's referring to who? The Romans. See, Daniel did not call them Romans because why? Because the Romans were not yet in existence. Amen? They were not in existence at the time of his prophecy. So what happens? When, Jerusalem, when, when the Romans surrounded Jerusalem, amen, the first thing they did is they cut off the food They cut off the water, and they cut off supplies from the children of Israel. And you'll find if you do some studying, some of the most horrendous things took place during that time. What happened? Because people were starving, their priorities were completely turned around, folks. Rather than seeing their children as precious, they were viewed as their parents' next meal. The Jews were killing and eating their own children. Hear what I just said. Matter of fact, Josephus records that they were eating anything made of leather. They were also eating rats so that they could survive. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. This is how desperate their situation had become. And as, listen, as soon as a person died... They grabbed their body and separated them for food. Oh 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 yeah. Amen. Now, after the Jews had become so weak, they could not defend themselves. What happens? Then the Romans came into the city and attacked them, and they began to kill and slay people. And any the survivors were doing what? Were what? They were taken captive and scattered throughout the world. Now, some Jews. Somebody say some Jews. Some Jews knew and believed Daniel's prophecy they read it come on say amen somebody and the moment they saw Jerusalem compassive with armies they got out of there they were smart amen so what Jesus is doing here in verse 21 going back to Luke 21 21 he was exhorting these disciples and he said in verse 21 then let them which are in Judea what flee to the mountains and let them which are in the midst of it do what Depart out and let not one of them that are in the country therein enter therein, For these be the days of what? Vengeance that all things which are written may be what? Fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child and to give them suck in those days. For there shall be great what? Distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the what? Edge of the sword and shall be what? Led away captive into what? All nations and Jerusalem shall be what? Trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be what? Signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth what? Distress of nations and per- with perplexity and the sea and the waves roaring. Now the Gentiles being referred to are what? They're the Romans. Somebody say the Romans. Come on, somebody say the Romans. So the Romans did what? They come past Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Somebody say 70 A.D. And the entire city was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. Many people were dying and others were led into what? Away to captivity. Now the time of the Gentiles is what? It's the church age. Somebody say the church age. Somebody say the time of the Gentiles is the church age. In other words, Jerusalem will be under the feet of the Gentile nations until the church age ends. Until what ends? Until what ends? Folks, we live in exciting times and we don't even know it. You see, in 1948, Israel was re-inhabited. In 1966, they reoccupy the city of Jerusalem. Come on, say Amen somebody. And see the time of the Gentiles very near to being fulfilled. Let me say it again, the time of the Gentiles is very near to being fulfilled in our time. And Jesus warns of a day that parallels with the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans, which will occur right before the second coming of Jesus. We're right there on the edge, folks. Amen? Now, the second question that the disciples asked was, what will be the sign of your coming? Now, the answer to this question is found in Matthew 24, verses 27 through 51. We're not going to go over that. But the answer to it, you can read it for yourself and do a little study on your own. The answer is what? Matthew 24, verses 27 through 51. Amen? Now, the coming... To which the disciples are referring to is the second coming of Jesus. Say it again. The coming to which the disciples are referring to is the what? Is the what? Second coming of Jesus. Because why? As we continue to mention before, they did not know about the church age. Because it was a? Because it was a? Mystery. Now, though the tribulation will not begin until the church is gone from the earth, there will be indicators of the tribulation while the church is still on the earth. Let me say it again. There will be indicators of the tribulation while the church is still on the earth. In other words, small waves are hitting us today as precursors. To the tidal wave that the tribulation is going to bring, come on, are you with me out here? Matter of fact, look at 1 John two eighteen. John indicated this would be the case here in 1 John chapter two verse eighteen. He said it was going to happen. 1 John chapter two, verse eighteen. I have a lot of information to give you. I hope y'all ready for it. Amen. Because I have some Bible students in here. I got it, I an amen. Which one is it? First <laughs> John 2.18. He said, little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even, 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 are there what? Many Antichrists. Whereby you know that it is the last time. Are you listening to me out here? Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 7. In other words, we were knowing our time, folks, that we're getting little tidal waves. We're getting just little waves of tribulation. And now some people confuse it with tribulation, but you ain't and You don't want to be here with tribulation. But we are getting little what? Waves of it until that tidal wave hit. But we won't be here, thank God, for that tidal wave. I should have got a bigger amen than that. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter two verse seven says, "For the mystery of iniquity does what? Does what? Already work. Only he who he who now let will let until he be what? Taken out of the way. Amen. So we're going to see little waves of tribulation, but tell you neighbor, we're not in tribulation." Lord, you'll know <laughs> if you're in tribulation or not. And if you know and you're still here, someone's wrong with you anyway. <laughs> 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 Amen. Now, the question to number three is found in Matthew chapter 24, verses 9 through 26. But let's go back to Matthew 24, verse 4. Matthew 24, verse 4. Verse 4, it says, and Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man, what? Deceive. Tell your neighbor, take heed deceive. that no man deceive. man deceive you. Come on, turn to another neighbor and say, take heed deceive. that no man deceive. man deceive you. You have to be beware of deception, people. You have to be beware of Deception. And the way to be certain no man can deceive you is you got to know the word of God. Somebody say I got to know the word of God. Why? Because ignorance of the word leads to deception. Let me say it again: ignorance of the word leads to deception. You see, deceptions, deception is not a lie, folks. Deception is a lie mixed with the truth. You hear what I just said? See, it begins with the truth so that the listener is in agreement with what is being said. But then while they're listening to this truth, a slight little lie is inserted into it. And when deception enters... It becomes difficult to discern when the truth ended and the lie began. Come, I mean, anybody with me down here? For example, if a person wanted to poison a dog, what would they do? They would hide the poison in a piece of meat. They would hide it in something that is good, <laughs> and that dog goes to town. Come on, say Amen, somebody. Amen. But that's exactly how people will fall for deception. False teachers will take a promise of God, add something false, or twist the interpretation of that scripture. Come on, say amen, somebody. Understand this. Don't you ever let anyone tell you that you're reading or studying the word too much. You're just always in your Bible. Good. I'm glad you recognize that. Amen. Amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. Never allow people to tell you that you're becoming word bound. Why? Because you could never have too much of the word of God. Did you hear what I just said? You could never have what? Too much of the word of God. A matter of fact, I would get, there's a lot larger percentage in this room are not getting enough word. Especially these young people that don't read the Bible. Amen. They're not getting enough word. So if you don't have enough word, guess what? Deception is right around the corner. Because like I stated before, you know, to find a counterfeit bill, they don't study the counterfeit. <laughs> they study the real thing. They make sure they study the real thing so when a counterfeit goes across their, their, their face or before their eyes, they can see it right off. Because why? They know the real thing so well. You have Christians who don't even know the Bible themselves. And that's why they're getting deceived. Next thing you know, this Christian has been in church all their life now. Next thing you know it, they're Muslim. How did you become a Muslim? Or they're a Rasta. How did you become a Rasta? Because you didn't know the word of God. They didn't know the word of God for themselves. So somebody came along with some truth. Come on. Added the lie to it. And now they all in. This is the way. Hello. Read the Bible for yourself. Tell your neighbor, read your Bible. Tell somebody else, read your Bible. <laughs> Amen. Matter of fact, what does Joshua one 8 say? You can never have too much of the word of God. Joshua one 8 tells us, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt do what? Meditate often. Day and night that thou might what? Observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, what's going to happen? For then you shall what? Make your way what? Prosperous. And then you shall have what? Good success. That's your recipe. That's when the word of God will protect you. It'll lead you. It'll show you the path for your life. It'll bring prosperity and it'll bring wisdom. Somebody say it'll bring wisdom. See, the importance of the Word of God can never be overemphasized. You need to get into your Word. Some of you don't even read their chapter every day like I told you to. I told you to read a chapter every day. Every day. And I guarantee you, half the people in this room don't read their chapter every day. But when problems hit, Pastor, I need counsel. (laughs) (laughs) Did you read the chapter? No, Pastor. (laughs) Glory <laughs> to God. Go back. Okay, let's go back to Matthew 24, verse 5. <laughs> Half the answer that you need in your life is found in that chapter a day. Just read a chapter. It's simple. A chapter a day. That you read more, you read more junk than that. You read more junk on Facebook than a chapter a day. Instagram. Come on, say amen, somebody. Matthew 24, verse 5. It says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And shall what? They see many. Listen, we have many false Christs in the world today. They profess to be the anointed one. Now, others will come, he's saying here, amen, and they'll say, Jesus the Messiah. Amen. He was for the past generations. But I'm the Messiah for your generation. I've been sent by God knowing the word of god is essential to recognize false religion and deception Amen. 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 see the word in your heart will guide you into identifying erroneous teaching but you have to have the what the word where where in your heart. Why? Because error cannot withstand the truth of God's word. Look at verse 6, Matthew 24. And you shall hear of what? Wars and what? Rumors of wars. See that you be not what? See that you be not what? Troubled for all these things. Must what? Come to pass, but the end is not yet. Are we seeing wars in the earth today. See, the wars we are seeing in the earth today are leading up to the greatest war that will ever come to pass, and that is the what? The war of Armageddon. This is leading up to that. Come on, say amen, somebody. But notice there are two types of wars here mentioned. You have wars and you have what? Rumors of wars. Somebody say wars and rumors of wars. See, wars are wars that are actually taking place. Have you watched the news lately? Are there wars actually taking place? Okay. Now, rumors of wars are cold wars. Somebody say cold wars. What's the definition of a cold war for some of you don't know? It's a state of political hostility between two countries characterized by threats, propaganda, and other measures short of open warfare. People are right now shaking up a Cold War between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. Oh, yeah. yeah. If y'all watch the movies, you'd hear it. We're seeing threats taking place even today. Come on, say amen, somebody. That's considered a what? Cold War. He said there'll be what? Wars and rumors of war. Are we seeing that? You better know the time is getting short. Somebody say time is getting short. Look at verse 6 again. It says, for all these things must what? They must what? They must come and pass. Understand this. There will never be peace in the earth until the prince of peace returns. And see, many become involved in efforts to bring peace into the earth. But we as Christians should not get caught up in those efforts. Come on, say amen, somebody. Instead, what are we to do? We are to be involved in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, we're not to be disturbed. We are not to be disturbed because why? These things must come to pass the united nations will not bring peace to the world (laughs) now though their mission sounds noble and good they cannot bring world peace matter of fact there's a scripture posted outside the united nations that says they will beat their swords in the plowshares and their spears in the pruning hooks but see they didn't know that there are verses that precede that scripture And there are verses that follow that verse. Come on, say amen, somebody. The UN will not fulfill this scripture. Jesus will. Somebody say Jesus will. See, men may do everything humanly possible to unite together as they did, come on, at the Tower of Babel. But the end will always be destruction. Somebody say the end will always be destruction. So let's look at Matthew 24, 7. Are you following this now? Come on, are you following this? Amen. How many people read Matthew 24 and didn't understand what it was saying? Come on. All oh, y'all should have raised your hand. Come on. That I'm going to get you up here and teach it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, for those of you who didn't raise your hand. <laughs> Matthew 24, 7. <laughs> it says, for a nation to rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there should be what? Famines. Pestilences, earthquakes, and diverse places. Verse 8, and all these are the what? Beginning of what? Sorrows. Understand when it says nations arise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, there's a difference between nations and kingdoms. The word nation here is the Greek word ethnos. Somebody say ethnos. And it means a race or ethnic group. Amen? In other words, one ethnic group, Or rise up against another ethnic group. Does this sound familiar to anybody in this room? Come on. We see the devil trying to incite race wars in the United States. That ain't nothing but a plot of the enemy, folks. Around the world, you have one ethnic group committing genocide. Trying to wipe out another ethnic group. Are y'all with me out here? What's happening? Ethnic groups are warring against one another. Amen. And understand that it's not a black and white issue or color issue. Are you following me out here? For example, Steve over there. Hi, Steve. He's just as much as my brother as Carrie. Oh, y'all to hear what I said. Why? we are brothers in Christ. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. We are blood brothers through the blood of Jesus. Okay, with me, and I would treat him like any other brother in Christ. Why? Because our differences in skin color has nothing to do with we both bleed red. (laughs) So Christians should not be getting up. Come on, say amen. Somebody talking about the white man did this or the black man did this. Come on, say amen. Somebody. Why? Because nothing can hold me back because I'm a child of God first. We both had the same daddy. (laughs) And he's not a respecter of person. And especially not a respecter of color. Are you with me out here? Now are wrongs taking place and being taken place in here in the in the world today? Yes. But that's just the devil trying to fulfill prophecy. (laughs) That's how he's doing. Amen. Rising up one ethnic group against the other. Because I found since I've been in St. Thomas, come on, he come about uh, KK. Black people can be just as racist as white people. Yes. 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 Say that. Yes. Just smile, because it's true. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. But then it says kingdom against kingdom. See kingdoms are religious, religions battling one another. This could be Judaism against Islam. Come on, say amen somebody. We're seeing wars of nations against nations and we're seeing kingdom against kingdom in our time. Tell you neighbor, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. Jesus goes on to say, and there should be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Come on, we've seen famines in our day. We've seen pestilence, swarms of insects eating crops. And you know we've seen earthquakes. Come on, throughout the world, even tsunamis that are created by earthquakes under the water. Come on, say amen somebody. Jesus said here in verse 8, all of these are the beginning of... Of sorrows. Somebody said beginning of sorrows. We're not living in a tribulation. We're living in what is called the days of sorrow. Tell your neighbor, we're not living in tribulation. We're living in the days of sorrow. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, the word sorrow is the Greek word that means birth pains. Ladies, you should know about that. What? Birth pains. Jesus is telling us when we hear of wars, rumors of wars, when we see famines, pestilences, earthquakes, the earth is getting ready to deliver. Let me say it again. The earth is what? Getting ready to deliver. See, the earth itself is pregnant. With the millennium rate of Lord Jesus Christ. The earth wants it just as much as we do. Amen. And the closer we get to the point of delivery, the closer will be the birth pains of that delivery. Say, men, y- y'all can't relate, but women, <laughs> women can relate. Why? When a woman gets closer to her delivery time, what will she have? Labor pains. Come on. These pains are labor pains that will what? Birth the child. Come on, say amen, somebody. Just before the tribulation, the earth will experience these labor pains. People wondering, what's all this? Why all this craziness going on in the world today? We got fires over here, we got earthquakes over here, we got tornadoes, we got all this stuff, heat waves. Come on. The earth. It's in labor. These are labor pains. But when the tribulation begins, the pains will get closer together. And guess what? Delivery will take place. Are y'all following me out there? What happens? Jesus will come to the earth and he will what? He will rule. Look at Romans 8.20. Come now you're understanding what I'm saying here. Romans chapter 8, verse 20. It says, for the creature was not made, what? Subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who, what? Who has subjected the same in hope. Now, the King James Version use the word creature, but in actuality, it's the word creation. Somebody say creation. See, creation refers to the earth, the animals, the plants, everything that is living. Somebody say everything that is living. And it says that the creation was what? Was made subject to what? Vanity. Vanity is the curse that entered the earth at the time Adam sinned. When he sinned, what happened? A curse came into the dust of the ground, and everything that was made of dust received what? Received what? The curse. Matter of fact, the part of man that received the curse is his body. Because what? It's the only part of man that was made from the what? From the what? From the dust. Man's body carries a curse because it comes from the dust of the ground. Come on, are you with me out here? But notice the verse continues saying that the creation was subjected to the what? Curse. They were what? Subjected to the what? Curse, but not willingly. But not willingly. They didn't have a choice. See, nature wasn't asked if it wanted to Curse. It simply was subjected to the curse because of who? Because of Adam. I bet you if nature could smack Adam, they would have smacked Adam. <laughs> I'm going to say amen, somebody. But guess what? There's hope for creation. And that hope is the return of Jesus, folks. Let me say it again. That hope is the return of Jesus. Go back to Matthew 24:9. I hope you're getting something out of this. Are you getting something out of this? Matthew 24, Verse 9. You're following me, right? Amen. You want me to slow down? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> Majority rules. Because <laughs> nobody else said nothing. <laughs> Verse 9 says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. But then shall many be what? Offended. And shall what? Betray one another. And shall hate one another. Just as during World War II. The Jews were pressured by the enemy. To betray one another. During the tribulation. They will do the same thing. They will betray one another. Look at verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise. And shall what? Shall what? Deceive many. This verse tells us. Many will be deceived. Because of false prophets who will rise up during the tribulation period. Come on, say amen somebody. And as we said before, the only way to be deceived at this time is through ignorance of the word of God. Through what? Of the word of God. Look at verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall what? The love of many shall what? Wax cold. Listen to me closely now. The word iniquity means lawlessness. Somebody say lawlessness. We're already seeing lawlessness around in our day. Come on, say amen, somebody. But it's nothing compared to what will happen during the tribulation. Listen, on every major television station... We are seeing programs portraying immor- immorality as a standard. You can't even turn on a commercial today. Come on. They're all portraying immorality as a standard. Come on. Are y'all with me out here? Come on. We're, we're hearing foul language. We're seeing premarital sex. We're seeing homosexuality. We're seeing adultery. We're seeing a disregard for authority. Amen. Has been escalated. Come on. Say amen somebody. And they are considered acceptable for standard prime time television. A standard. Somebody say a standard. In our schools. We also see lawlessness in students. Who have no respect for authority. And many times they're in defiance of authority. Come on. Say amen somebody. Amen. Amen. We see premarital sex, homosexuality amongst the students, teenage pregnancy, drug abuse no longer shocks us anymore. Because why? They are so prevalent amongst our young people. We don't get shocked when we hear it anymore. Lawlessness abounds, amen, but it'll reach a climax during the tribulation period. And during that time, multiples will be in rebellion. Somebody say multitudes. multitudes. Amen. And for the word love in verse 12, that word love is agape. Someone say agape. agape. And it's referring to all those who become believers during the tribulation. There will be believers that become believers during the tribulation. People will get saved. We'll talk about that a little later. But unless these believers stay in the word of God, The pressure of the lawlessness around them will cause them to wax cold. The phrase wax cold is an old English term for turning cold. Somebody say turning cold. For example, think of a candle with melted wax. When you blow out the candle, what happens to the liquid wax? It gradually begins to harden. This is what the heart is is being compared to in verse 12. It does not harden immediately. It waxes cold. But you see that in Christians today, folks. where they've gotten so close to the world, they cuss like the world. They dress like the world. They do everything like the world. Don't realize they're just melting down and they're hardening and they're waxing cold because why lawlessness is pressuring them to be just like everybody else okay hallelujah look at verse 13 but he that shall endure to the end the same shall be what saved now the end jesus is referring to is the end of tribulation end of what tribulation the only way Christians will endure to the end of tribulation is by knowing the word of God. Now, this verse does not mean that unless a person endures to the end, he cannot be saved. See, the word saved here, is, means, it means spared. Somebody say spared. This verse is saying that the Christian who stands on the word of God and to the end of tribulation will be spared to go into the millennium reign of Jesus Christ. They'll be what? Spared. Multiplied multiplied millions will be born again during the tribulation period. Say it again. Multiplied millions will be born again during the tribulation. But just as the day in which we live in, believers will need to still study the word. Meditate the word. Stand on the what? Word. And live by the what? Word. Why? The word is what will enable them to endure to the end of tribulation. It's only going to be the word that's going to sustain them, folks. Amen. Amen. And believers who will survive the tribulation, because believers do survive the tribulation, will enter into the millennium and have children. Longevity will be restored. And people even will live even at the age of a thousand Are you with me out there? There'll be a great population explosion. Amen? And see, all of these things will transpire for those who are saved during the tribulation. And they survive the second coming of Jesus. Are you with me out here? During the tribulation, many Christians will be martyred needlessly. Are you with me out here? Because why? Because they allow the lawlessness of the world to come into their lives. They'll be martyred. Their love waxes cold. And they ultimately die prematurely. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Now, some will die as true martyrs before the the Lord. But others will die because of their ignorance of the word of God. Amen. Amen. Amen? Look at verse 14. Since y'all so excited about that. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto what? All nations. And then shall the what? And come. Now, verse 14 is not a church age verse. Tell your neighbor, it's not a church age verse. See, until the church is removed from the earth, we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We preach. We're the gospel of the church. Come on, say amen, somebody. We are part of the what? Church. We are part of the what? The body of Christ. But during tribulation, they will preach the gospel of the kingdom. Amen? Which is what? They're going to be preached the coming millennium kingdom. That's what they're going to be preaching. This verse says, after the gospel of the kingdom was preached in all the world, the end will come. This is not referring to the end of the church age because it was a mystery at this time. It's not referring to what? The end of the church age because they didn't know anything about the church age. Amen. It's referring to the end of tribulation. Evangelism will take place throughout the tribulation period. Somebody say evangelism. Matter of you when you read the book of Revelations, you hear about the 144,000 Jews. They're going to be saved during what? The tribulation. Then they become evangelists. They go out, and they witness to the world, and thousands upon thousands get saved from their ministry. Come on, are you with me out here? Then in the second half of tribulation, you find the two witnesses show up. And they preach, and they have signs and wonders, amen, and they get thousands upon thousands of people saved. Then the book of Revelation actually says the angels will preach the gospel. They will preach the gospel because why? The earth has now reverted back to Jewish time. Remember we talked about the clock? The Jewish time clock will now begin ticking. The earth returns back to Jewish time. See, during Old Testament time, angels preached. They taught. They instructed. Matter of fact, Ezekiel and Zechariah had angels that instructed them and taught them things from heaven. Let's look at Matthew twenty four fifteen. He says, when therefore shall you, when therefore shall, when therefore shall see what? The, when, there, when ye therefore shall see what? The abomination of desolation spoken of by who? Daniel the prophet. He says, What? Stand in a holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Say it again. When ye therefore shall see the abominations of desolation spoken of by the Daniel the prophet, stand in a holy place. Whosoever readeth, let him what? Understand. Daniel said, listen, Daniel said the abomination of desolation will occur in the middle of the week or three and a half years into tribulation. Somebody say three and a half years. When Antichrist walks into the temple, sits on the throne, and demands to be worshipped, this is called the abomination of desolation. He'll walk in the temple, sit down on the throne in Jerusalem, and demand to be what? Worship. What's this called? The abomination of what? Desolation. Verse 16 said Then let them which be in what? Judea do what? Get out of Dodge. Flee into the what? Mountains, you better get up out of there quickly. See, when the middle of the tribulation arrives, it is meant to be an indicator to Jewish Jewish believers to flee to the mountains. I said Jewish believers. See, God will protect them if they flee to the mountains. But if if they stay in Jerusalem, they will be killed. And there are certain mountain ranges they are instructed to flee to. Amen. question is, how will Jewish believers know when and where to flee? Because they know the word of God. Amen. Through the knowledge of the word, Matthew verse 17 says, Let him which is on the housetop, verse 17, let him which is what? On the housetop do what? Don't come down. Don't take anything out of your house. Neither let him which what? in the field, return back. Don't go back for your clothes, boy. <laughs> Come on. Amen. The very day Antichrist walks into the temple and demands to be worshipped, some people will just be sitting back relaxing. They'll be relaxing at home. Come on, say amen, somebody. Others will be working in the fields. But here it says, All are what? Commanded to Run. Run where? To the mountains as quickly as possible. They are not even to take time to gather their clothing or take anything from their homes, folks. They are to do what? Run to the mountains as what? Quickly as possible. Matter of fact, look at Daniel chapter 11 verse 41. Daniel names the mountains they are to flee to. Daniel 11 verse 41. See, if you're, in a, if you're a study of the Word of God, you're loving what you're hearing. <laughs> Daniel eleven forty one. 41. It says, He shall what? Enter also into the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall what? Escape out of His hand. Even Edom and Moab, the chief children of Ammon. See, Jewish believers are to run to the mountain ranges of Edom, Moab, and Ammon. These mountain ranges surround the Dead Sea right now. These are the same mountain ranges where Balaam, anybody remember that story of Balaam, where he prophesied, amen? They're the same mountain ranges of three heathen nations, the Edom, Moab, and what? Ammon. God is going to turn cursing into blessing. The very mountains, representing three nations that fought against Israel, God were turned to blessing for his people. Go back to Matthew 24, 19. Matthew 24, 19, where he says, and woe. Somebody say woe. Say woe again. Whenever you hear woe, you better pick your ears up. because When a woe happens, you better listen. Amen. When ABC woe, you better see what's behind that woe. He says, Woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days. But pray you that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. See, fleeing to the mountains will be difficult enough itself, especially if you're out of shape. <laughs> i say that somebody. But being pregnant will be even more difficult. And if it happens during the winter, the mountains will be more, more difficult to travel. And if it happens in the Sabbath, it will also make more things more difficult to flee because why? all the shops will be closed. There will be no place to buy provision on the way to the mountains. So he says in verse 21, For then shall be what? Great, tribulation. great what? Tribulation. tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time no nor sh- ever shall be. The second half of tribulation is called the great tribulation. Somebody said the great tribulation. It will be the worst time Listen to me. It will be the worst time that ever existed in history. You don't want to be here. The reason the second half will be the worst time than the first half is because Satan will be cast out of heaven at that time. See, he will no longer be allowed to operate there. See, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren, folks. Just as he walked to God, walked into God's presence and accused Job, you ever read that before? He does the same thing with us today. He's the accuser of the brethren. Come on. But once he's finally thrown from heaven, he will no longer have access to heaven. And when he is thrown into the earth, he will realize his days are numbered and he will unleash all of his furry because he's mad. And when the Antichrist walks in to take over the throne, he wants all men to realize he, Satan, is God. And his man, the Antichrist, will be worshipped. And the minute Satan is cast from heaven, vials, woes, and killings, slaughter, and great upheavals of nature will start occurring everywhere. You hear what I just said? The minute he, what, is cast out of heaven. Antichrist will what? He will demand all worship to him. He want everybody to worship him. And then he'll demand all the Jews to be killed, especially the Jewish Christians. Are you following me out here? Now, those who know the word of God, they're going to flee to the mountains and be protected by God. They're smart. Look at verse 22. And except these, those days be what? Shorten, there shall no what flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days are what? Shall be what? Shortened. See, God will not allow to go past one one a day beyond the three and a half years. Because why? Because of the believers that are still in the earth. If Jesus didn't return on the last day of the seven-year tribulation, there be so much destruction in the earth that Israel would no longer exist. As a matter of fact, they would destroy the entire planet. And God was not going to allow that to happen. So he says here, except those days be shortened, there be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be what? They shall be what? Shortened. Look at verse 23. And if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe him, leave it not. For there shall rise what? False Christ and false prophets. And shall show great signs and wonders. And so must, that if it were possible. They, the, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold I have told you before. Wherefore if they shall say unto you. Behold he is in the desert. Go not forth. Behold he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. Amen. Amen. The only way antichrist can kill jewish christians is to lure them away from the mountain where they are protected by god he's talking to jewish christians folks he's not talking to you the very elect hello the way he will deceive some people to come down from the mountain is by telling them hey jesus has come and he's looking for you Come on, he'll say, Jesus is looking for you. Look, he's in your bedroom searching for you. Come on. They'll probably have television, satellite, computers in the mountains. Come on, say amen, somebody. And Satan will probably project a false Jesus searching through houses of believers. Amen. He may even call them by name. Believers must know the word of God. So they will not be lured, folks. This verse says, don't believe these things. And guess what? There will be a few who will believe the deceptions. And as soon as they leave the mountain, they'll be killed. Because why? They will no longer be under the protection of God. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us Satan will perform lying signs and wonders to deceivers. To deceive what? Believers. Come on, say amen, somebody. But if a believer has a choice between a supernatural sign and wonders of the Word of God, they should always go with the Word of God. Somebody say the the Word of God. If signs and wonders are verified by the Word, they are from God. But they got to be verified by what? By the Word. However, guess what? Satan can't perform signs and wonders. And the standard of judgment must be the Word of God. That's why you got to know the Word. Amen. See, the signs and wonders may tell these tribulation saints to come down from the mountain. But the word said, stay where you at. And they must heed to the word or die. Look at verse 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall what? Shall so also what? The coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus is going to come back as a lightning from the east to the west. Listen, this is not the rapture of the church. This is the second coming of Jesus. Verse 28. Wheresoever the carcass is, there will be what? The eagles be gathered together. The battle of Armageddon is the event that will draw Jesus back. Somebody say the battle of Armageddon. The word "eagles" here is actually vultures. Somebody say vultures. This verse describes that, the, that battle, that the battle, as the battle goes on, the vultures and the buzzards will be circling around dead carcasses. Israel will be at the battle of Armageddon, and they will be as defenseless as dead carcasses. Mike, with me out here the dead carcasses is Israel somebody say Israel the vultures circling around are what all the nations of the world coming against who Israel this described this battle if you read it this battle is actually described in detail in Joel chapters 2 and 3 and Zechariah chapters 10 through 14 during the battle Armageddon half the city of Jerusalem will be taken and there'll be many led into captivity It'll, it'll appear as a repeat of what happened in 70 AD when the Romans captured Jerusalem. But this battle will be different. Why it going to be different? Because in the middle of this battle, Jesus will return to deliver the Jews, destroy the armies coming against the Israel, and he'll liberate the city of Jerusalem. And see, tell your neighbor, there are two comings. Of the Lord yet to occur. Amen. They're what of the Lord yet to occur. What are they? The rapture of the church and the second event or the second coming. Amen. See, at the rapture, the church will be what? The church will be delivered from its curse. Amen. The nature of the flesh will be removed. At the second advent or the second coming, nature will be delivered. See, the question is, what is the great hope of the church? The great hope of the church, us, is what? The rapture. Somebody say the rapture. What is the great hope of nature and the world? The second advent or the second coming. As we close, look at Romans chapter 8, verse 21. Y'all hung in there, y'all hung in there, y'all hung in there. Except for Jasmine. I don't know about her. (laughs) Romans chapter 8 verse 21. It says, but the creature itself also shall be what? Delivered from what? The bondage of corruption into the what? Glorious liberty of the children of God. When the church returns with the Lord Jesus Christ at the second coming, because we're coming back with him, folks. We will return in our resurrected bodies with no curse attached. Come on, say amen, somebody. And the moment we return, the moment we return, nature will be released from its bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. When Jesus comes back with the church, Nature will join the church in being free from the what? Curse. Matter of fact, Deuteronomy, the Psalms, and Jesus himself all tell us nature will break forth into glorious liberty. The seas will clap their hands. The trees will clap their hands. Come on. The rocks will cry out, and nature will break forth in singing. Why? The moment Jesus breaks through the atmosphere, folks, nature will be released from its bondage and there'll be a choir above nature and the church singing King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Look at verse 22. For we know that what, what? Whole creation does what? Amen. Growing up in what? Amen. To develop what? And pain together unto now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the what? First fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit what? The redemption of the what? Body. Come on, we're waiting for the rapture. Nature's waiting for the second advent, a second coming. See, at the rapture, our curse is removed. At the second event or second coming, nature's curse is removed. Both of us are what? Waiting for the coming of the Lord. And these two verses say, nature groans and travails. And we also what? Groan and travail. See, groaning and travailing are birth terms. They're what? With every earthquake we see today, nature is groaning and travailing, groaning and travailing. Every famine and outbreak of pestilence, what's happening? Nature is groaning and travailing. All the upheavals we see happening in the world today, what is it? It's what? Groaning and travailing. With every war and rumor or war, war, nature is what? Nature is having contractions, folks. And the same thing is true of the church. Every tribulation you go through, Uh every trial you go through, every trouble you go through causes you to what? Groan and travail under the pressure of those things. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, the earth is pregnant with the millennium reign of Christ. But the church is pregnant with our resurrected body. We can't wait to get delivered from this thing. (laughs) Some of us. And one day, the church will give birth. Come on, say amen, somebody. And on that day, there'll be no more travail. There'll be no more pressure. Come on, say amen, somebody. And we will break forth into glorious liberty of the child of God. Why? When that day comes, not only will our spirits be redeemed, not only will our soul be redeemed, but our body will be redeemed. Yeah. That's the hope we have, that's the future we have. But guess what? I ain't no more Kiko. <laughs> <laughs> No diet plans. No exercise. Come on, say amen. <laughs> Not worried about what you eat anymore. Somebody else should be saying amen. You'll be slim and trim. I should have got a bigger amen than that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 27. Remember we read verse 27? He says, for as the lightning cometh out of the east. And shineth even unto the west, so shall also what? The coming of the Son of Man be. At the second event, every eye will see him. Every tribe will see him. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Come on, say amen, somebody. Believers will see him. Unbelievers will see him. Kings will see him. Peasants will see him. Every man, woman, or child on earth will see him. Because why? He will come back as lightning from the east to the west. Come on, say amen, somebody. And the lightning will not be like the natural lightning we see today. That lightning will be the glory of the Almighty God. Come on. It's the glory that Matthew mentioned in Matthew 17, 12, 17, 2 verse, 17, verse 2 says, When Moses and Elijah, when they they were sitting there talking to him, it says, "And and he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as what? The light. Jesus will be clothed in the glory of God. In majesty, he will return to rule and reign forever. Somebody needs us to give God praise. Hallelujah. Come on, give God glory. Hallelujah. Come on, give God honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, we have a glorious future. Yeah. But understand the things you see happening in the earth. That's nothing but birth pains. He said these things are going to happen. Amen. And our time gets shorter. They're going to increase. They're going to what? Increase. Increase. That's why as a believer, you better be full of the word of God. Amen. Amen. Let me say it again. You better be full of the word of God. Yes. And you cannot allow yourself to be in fear. Because okay. fear activates the devil while faith activates God. And he'll use these things that's happening in the world today to put you in fear and catch you off your guard. And take you out. That's why he wrote these things so that you will not be troubled. Yeah. For you won't be what? Troubled when these things come to pass. You'd be surprised when you're in an airplane and you get turbulence, how how people <laughs> say, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Half people on the plane probably Christians. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> It don't move me because why? I'm going to the other side. I'm already covered in the blood when I get on the airplane, and they ought to be glad I'm on that airplane because I'm on that plane. Everybody making it. Come on! (laughs) I don't care how much up and down we go up and down. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because why? We're people of faith, folks. Amen. We're people of what? For people, what? Come on, let's lift their hands and give God praise.